Welcome to the Startup of the Year podcast, where each episode we showcase exciting new companies from around the world. This podcast is produced by Established, creators of the Startup of the Year program. Established is focused on helping organizations with their innovation, startup, and communication strategies. Welcome back to the Startup of the Year podcast. I'm Frank Gruber, the co-founder and co-CEO of Established, co-founder of Established Ventures, and the team behind the Startup of the Year community and this very podcast. Thanks for being here. On this episode, I'm going to talk to my longtime friend, Nick O'Neill. He's the co-founder and CEO of Nifty. If you haven't heard of Nifty, it's a Web3 metaverse company with an audience of aspiring and existing NFT collectors and creators. Uh, They host daily shows, they provide NFT market monitoring software, and they're building their own NFT ecosystem. Really exciting stuff. I know it's been a volatile space, a lot of of press, a lot of good and bad press. So looking forward to learning more, understanding it more, and hopefully figuring out something that could uh, be leveraged if you're a startup. Before we jump into that interview, though, I wanted to continue the segment where we're highlighting a company from our community, uh, one of our startups. On this episode, we're t- going to talk about Make a Social, and uh, they're building an app that breaks down the cultural, psychological barriers which prevent us from meeting people in out in out in the wild every day. And uh, these 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 connections will create hopefully create uh, lasting bonds for those people more quickly. So whether you're trying to meet people for business, contacts, new friends, romantic partners, or just want a momentary conversation with somebody, Make a Social makes it easy. So simply go to Maka, M-A-K-A dot social to learn more. Okay, now let's jump into that conversation with Nick O'Neill of Nifty. All right, I'm here with Nick O'Neill. Some people call him Uncle Nick. Thanks for joining us today for the chat. How you doing, Nick? I did not know that you uh, were aware of the Uncle Nick uh, yeah, reference I, from some I, of our audience members. I don't know where that came from. I just I, heard, I go I join your show sometimes, and I hear this people calling you Uncle Nick, and I don't get I don't know why. I guess you must have done something that, that was very uncle worthy. It's it's more about uh, well I didn't um, my sister did not have a child. Uh, however, I think it's more based on. Um, my age, uh, there was conversation around my age and uh, related to my two co-founders. Mm-hmm. I'm probably about eight years older than uh, each of them. Um, I'm 40, they're like 32. And so sometimes the conversation of age comes up and it became sort of a meme in our discord. I think I said that I was 57 or they said that I was 57. <laughs> and so then it just became a thing that I had become Uncle Nick basically. Wow. And, you know, 40 is not old, just so you know. Um, I, I appreciate that. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, okay, let's just rewind. How do how do we meet each other, Nick? Go, we go way back. I was, I've been getting uh, re- reminders via Facebook, like, this was 14 years ago. This was 15 years wow. ago. And there's pictures of us doing crazy things out there in the D.C. area, D.C. So, tech community. I actually was aware of you from, uh, I, this is, this is going to sound crazy. I was, so I was writing a blog at the time. You were writing uh, somewhat frank. I had maybe just started blogging on a site called The Webpreneur. And uh, I actually, I was a developer working at a company and they were like, you got to connect with this guy, Frank Gruber. And you ended up in my RSS feed, which is what you would do at that point in time. And uh, I just started, I think, referencing your articles. And then at some point I reached out um, and was just like, hey, I'd love to help with uh, Tech Cocktail, which you were running at that time in D.C., uh, and you're like, oh, well, I'm actually in D.C. Let's just meet up. Yep. 
that was a while ago, man. And that does that does bring back memories. We brought back the somewhat frank as a podcast now, but dates back to 2005, which is it's a while wow. ago. Yeah. So maybe that is what maybe I'd be called uncle too. I don't know. <laughs> that was the 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 event though was in 2007. Yeah, it was. Yep, that's right. It was the first DC event. You worked. Oh, we worked together to, to put that together. And we had like some amazing people at that event. So, um, in early early tech scene, right? So, you uh, we were just talking about you were at uh, VCon. And you saw Gary V. Yeah, that was that was actually his first tech event he ever attended. He took the train, um, yes, with his brother um, to DC for that event we produced together. It was the first tech cocktail event in DC, and uh, I think Human Radford had his had his. Um, his company on display at the time before uh before it was called uh add this right so yeah um and a, a bunch of others so it was pretty pretty early times <laughs> so it, it was awesome though i mean i look i reflect fondly on on those times and also that event uh was meaningful and also yeah i mean to to have connected with gary before gary hadn't like really blown up and he he didn't for a period of time i feel like there were two events, which was like South by Southwest was actually, I think like the, the penultimate one, but he had already done web 2.0 expo was the, was the other one. Uh, so I don't remember what the sequencing on that was, but those two things sort of like catapulted him as he'd walk around, you know, cursing on stage and just speaking, speaking direct as, as he does. Um, but yeah, it was, he ended up keep uh, it continuing showing up at all these different events in it. Um, yeah, it's crazy uh, seeing it. I mean, everyone's doing kind of similar stuff still. Yeah, it's, it is crazy. So it's kind of goes in cycles, right? And we're going to today talk about what you're you're currently working on. You've got a mm -hmm. show. Uh, it's called The Nifty, right? Nifty. And you've got a, a portal and you've got a lot going on. And it's all kind of <laughs> focused around NFTs. And so first to kind of set the stage, like, can you kind of just quickly, I know it's could take a little while but just as quick as you can explain to us the nft kind of what an nft is and why it's important and kind of how it got started um in terms of got started it got started a, a while ago in like i feel like 2007 was actually uh the main sorry 2017 uh what am i talking about um 2017 was probably more relevant time mm -hmm. and uh crypto was booming and uh a standard, the ERC-721 standard was development uh, developed. And there were a few projects, people were experimenting with them. And uh, there, I mean, there's a number of projects that were out there and people will debate on the first one. But from a collectible standpoint, like CryptoPunks has become kind of ex accepted as the first major NFT project. There have been many others and people will debate it, but the bottom line is it's it's the most popular. Mm -hmm. And then there was uh, CryptoKitties, which had innovated and created this ERC-721 standard that we still use today. But all that it was at that point in time was the idea of creating uh, digital, I don't even know if it was thought of as collectibles at that moment in time, but basically digital collectibles that you can own and verifiable ownership over digital assets of something other than just uh, a like a fungible token. So it was a non-fungible token. All the other ones up until now have been like, you can go and trade Ethereum on Coinbase or, or um, uh, Bitcoin or a, a bunch of others. And during that boom, there were a ton of tokens that came out uh, as a result at that time, thanks to Ethereum. And uh, someone, you know, I don't know who, who were the key members who ended up creating it, but they came up with a form which was non-fungible, which was sort of 
uh, against that and saying, hey, how can we constrain this and limit the supply on it? So that was like, I'd say the founding of it. Mm -hmm. um, and then last year, I'd say actually end of 2020 and really coming out of the COVID, uh, like when everything imploded, crypto imploded, the stock market imploded, and then everything, there was kind of everything, now we're experiencing inflation, but uh, every asset was increasing in value. And so uh, a lot of people were sitting at home and I think it gave the opportunity for this space to sort of uh, emerge. And there were a couple key things. Um, there were a couple marketplaces, but Nifty Gateway really became like um, the, the biggest accelerant of this. And there was a huge boom at that time, uh, followed by Top Shot. So Top Shot and Nifty Gateway were the two big things and it exploded. And I think for me, at least the, the icon of what was an indicator that, oh, wow, this is a tsunami was uh, the $69 million uh, Beeple sale uh, in February or March of last year. And I yeah. realized, oh, wow. Yeah, I remember that. That was quite significant. I mean, obviously it took them a long time to create that. And it, so from an art perspective, there's a lot going on there, but then obviously to have it, um, you know, tied, tied online, it's a, you know, that's a, that's a humongous amount of money for, for art, obviously. Well, uh, not just, not just any art, but also digital art. And right. I, I don't, I don't, I don't want to uh, go too far down this uh, thread, but it's, it's worth noting because it was a moment in time at that moment in the sense that digital arts uh, artists have been historically just undervalued and underpaid True. and and so that was i think another reason that people are saying oh wow and for all of us that grew up with digital devices or uh, in our case you know eventually at a younger age and now people literally grow up with them but uh we were the first generation i guess the last one that was introduced to them right. um at some point other than later than birth uh, i think uh, yeah, they've been undervalued. And so people were just saying, wow, you know, this is, this is a moment where maybe, uh, for, for once and for the first time ever, we now can actually be valued for the, this incredible product that we're creating. That makes sense. That makes sense. Interesting. And so, um, you got interested in around that, that people sale. what, what else kind of got you going? So you, you were doing something else and then jumped into, yep into this really, really heavy and started your own media company, it seems like. It was literally the exact same thing as last time uh, when we were discussing, when Facebook came out with the platform. Mm -hmm. I chatted with you around that time yep. and, and uh, when I was launching all Facebook mm -hmm. and uh, and I, I just decided to do it and went and did it. Uh, what led into this was two things. I had done two or three episodes of what had become a podcast. I was creating the stock show. I'd been trading stocks through uh, all the COVID uh, time and doing decently with it. Mm -hmm. And uh, and so I was like, I was getting tired of my job. And I thought, you know what? I, I'm going to go create content again. I, I'm not. I'm no longer burned out because creating content can burn you out. Yep. And uh, so I created this podcast and on the third episode, I think second or third episode, um, this guy, Mo Nakvi, who was my uh, co-worker's friend, just randomly got introduced, had a call with him. And this guy was brilliant and happened to mention NFTs. I'd seen the Beeple thing. We'd gotten into a conversation with it. I started researching it heavily, like immediately after that call uh, on Twitter and was like, 
holy cow, this is uh, this is an emerging uh, space that's going to become massive. Um, and this is the future. I, like, just go. And so I set up a site. I started with uh, NF, nftnick.com and now it's the Nifty. But um, I started blogging again. I shifted my whole podcast back to, or now over to NFTs and started interviewing all the thought leaders in that space and was just like, I'm going to learn from all these people. And that's what I did. Very cool. And so you have a show. It's pretty regular. It's um, it's on YouTube. I think it's also on Twitter Spaces and a few other places. So the Nifty Alpha is the morning show Mm -hmm. and it is NFT Alpha. And if you search it on any podcast app, it's just NFT Alpha. We're producing a lot of content on there right now. We do the daily morning show and then at 5 p.m., uh, Monday through Friday, and then also, well, some sometime in the afternoon, and then also on weekends, we have a YouTube show, and all that also gets published to the podcast. That's going to evolve over time, but yeah, that, that's what we're doing today. And you're covering the the latest in NFTs, and obviously, we you know, you kind of had a rise there for a while with um, Board Ape Yacht Club and some others, um, you know, kind of doing very well and, and obviously mm-hmm. people flipping them and making money and you're hearing all these these stories and uh i just wanted to get your take so what um what happened like where are we at now like it's been a kind of an up i feel like it's an up and down with everything with the economy yep. but, but uh i'd love to get your take on it so there's multiple aspects of this what i'd break this into is a variety of categories uh but in I'll focus just on the area that you're referring to, which most people pay attention to, which is why our show is structured the way that it is, is price action. The way that people uh, sort of indicate, oh, well, what's going on with this space? There's two things that I see quoted most of the time. It's price. And then it's also like uh, people like using the chart of Google Trends to see, oh my gosh, NFT uh, activity is going down. this space, like crypto, is wildly volatile in contrast to when we were like covering Facebook, which was just like um, a, a consistent and so the social media space. You know, we were really diving into that. I include you in that. Um, we'd experiment with all sorts of like social apps, you especially. Right. And and I think um, at that time it was just growth. That's all that it was. And yeah. uh, and I think the world was just adopting social media. When you think about adoption, I think that's a curve that probably looks straight up, but um, because there's no there's no such thing as there's not really negative adoption. There is usage which can go down, and in the case of Facebook at the time, it was straight up. This time, it's not uh, it's not perfect like that, mm-hmm. and and recently, mostly what we've seen is a lot of prices uh, come down, but that's also alongside the price of crypto. What's exciting about this space is that there's price action that you get to participate in, which is completely different than when we were covering social media and stuff like that. That just wasn't a factor. Like when you covered a startup, it was like, uh, you know, company XYZ got funding. And and and, and that's, that's the story. And that was kind of the, uh, we idealized that aspect of things. Um, and so, yeah, that, that was, that was the storyline, but that was all private. Now there's this ability, it's not equity, but there is there are these assets, which are the NFTs, which can be a corollary or some kind of like reflective of um, the value being provided to customers. And that's something that people speculate on, which is exciting on a daily basis. So right now those prices have come down anywhere from 50 to 70% off of their peaks. Right, that's interesting. And 
a great analogies there with the social media space and what we were covering and how it's different than now. I mean, obviously we did see some fallout from companies that we get acquired and then, you know, you know, dissolved or whatever. But at mm -hmm. the end of the day, there was always another train coming. Right? Yep. Like there's a, there was always something new that was coming. So it made it interesting. So it's very similar. But I'm, I'm curious, like from a, you know, this is start of your podcast. How do how do startups, you know, how should startups be taking a look at this? I mean, I, I've got some thoughts, but and I've seen how you're you're kind of taking um, your own uh, approach with mm -hmm. with uh, when it comes to fundraising. Like I almost feel you see this as an, another way to kind of decent, you know, maybe move the another crowdfunding effort more or less, if you will, yes. for for startups. And I'd love to get your take on that. I completely agree. I I honestly think it's transformative. The the uh, one vertical that stands out to me in particular is software. We discussed it on this morning's show. And it's an area that I keep coming back to. It hasn't been widely done, um, but it is being done and it's being done with great success. Uh, and, and what I, the example here, the one that I'll use is Prement. Uh, Prement is a company that's, uh, it's a software product that's targeting the NFT space. What they enable you to do, one of the issues with uh, NFT drops, and uh, when I say drop, I just mean like the launch of an NFT in the moment when they try to sell them. Uh, the issue for a while there, at least last year with NFT drops was demand uh, exceeded supply. And so when a project would launch, there would be these things uh, in particular on Ethereum called uh, gas wars. And you'd have to participate in these gas wars where uh, and it happened re recently with uh, Board Ape Yacht Club's most most uh, recent drop. But basically, needless to say, you end up paying a bunch of money and bidding against other people for the right to be able to buy these NFTs. And it can get incredibly expensive. And the result is uh, the average person gets priced out of the market. And so uh, Prement created a software tool that would enable NFT creators to essentially uh, launch in a more fair way. And that fair way is via allow lists. And all the allow list is saying, hey, if you uh, are a fan of what we're making and enthusiastic about it, sign up for our list. And this is gonna grant you the ability to go and mint. And so the only way that you can compete and you can restrict it is based on that allow list. So that's like the foundation of it. So they built this software to, to make it easier for you to collect the wallet addresses of the people who are gonna end up buying your NFT. Anyways, this was a really uh, heavily needed tool. And so they started building it, they started charging for it and they were making a lot of money doing that. The, the regular SaaS approach, which is you know build an MVP, see if people end up buying it. And th this is a, a sub segment of all startups. So, but I just happened to use this as an example, Right. but, but they ended up launching an NFT and have done like, you know, probably a couple million dollars. The standard amount is somewhere between, and with the current price of ETH, I would say anywhere from $750,000 to in the most extreme cases, it can be like 10, $15 million, but right. most common is usually around one, $2 million is the, is the average amount that I see for an uh, NFT drop for, uh, yeah. yeah. Okay. For, for any for any random person yep. now and by a random person it's not actually a random person it's a person who's been building their reputation within the space and is able to sell it out right. um and so yeah the anyways i think what's fascinating is any SaaS product and that just happens to be this vertical and i'm happy to talk about others but this vertical in particular if you were to go and bootstrap a software product today 
uh, it would take you a few years typically to get to the million uh, ARR rate, basically, right. or, or at least, you know, one, two, maybe three years, something like that. First ask product. Yes. Yeah, exactly. And maybe even longer. Um, I've seen people take five years and, and beyond to get to get to that point. It's quite a grind. So with the NFT, you get all that money up front and $2 million suddenly becomes absolutely life changing. And for people who are talented uh, and actually like, you know, legit entrepreneurs that aren't just going to take the money and, you know, go splurge it all um, and actually want to go build an operation operating business it's it's transformative it's a huge opportunity because you have this influx of capital and it costs you zero equity uh and instead what you got was a set of early adopters and frankly that's one it's just like you said it's kickstarter um and i think from that standpoint that's how it should be viewed for a lot of startups um at pretty much anyone who's operating in that space so the difference though is that unlike kickstarter well, are you paying uh, as a, let's say you're the software company, are you giving a percentage to somebody for your launch? Like, what are you losing from, you know, doing it that way? Or what are you gaining, I guess, from doing it that way versus doing it on a, a WeFunder or Kickstarter or Indiegogo or something like that? So um, uh, not, a whole, not a whole lot from the Kickstarter standpoint. The distinction, though, with Kickstarter is what you're promising is a product usually at the end. Right. Um, and it's like notoriously like, late <laughs> uh, it's either late if they even deliver it at all right so you get it like usually you get like 80 or 90 percent if you're able to filter out the you know the junk 90 percent of them show up and usually they show up late and by the time you get it like your level of enthusiasm about the product is like severely diminished um but in some cases you get a really cool one but uh in in the in, in this space you're trying to promise as little as possible and the reason that i say that is if you do make any promise it can be viewed as a security right. unless they're pro um purchasing an exact deliverable so you could be like hey you're going to get three years of subscription access to this progress uh, product that's going to be delivered at some point that's a little bit harder um for the most part the bar keeps raising, uh, but the bar was like, oh, these are cool looking JPEGs. And then it moved up to be like, okay, these are cool looking JPEGs that also gave me access to another NFT. And then it was like, oh, these also became cool looking JPEGs that gave me access to another NFT as well, as well as a token. Oh, this also gave me access to a, an event. And then it, it just, you know, kept evolving from there, I think for most of these, but the, the bar does keep rising in terms of mm -hmm. uh, what you need to deliver. Um, but it can be anything. Right. So that is interesting. So it's a question. So, but, and then as a, I guess, a purchaser of that NFT, you get the NFT and whatever they offer, but you don't get equity in that startup or company, right? No, uh, right. Th that's never, that's never offered in which case that would be actual equity. And typically that's supposed to be, um, you need to verify that they're a qualified investor and or you could go through like a Republic style crowdfunding platform or any of the others that you mentioned. Right, so that's where it's a little bit different. Yeah, Republic would be another one that would be more um, crowdfunding. So so basically you're, it is very much like a Kickstarter where you're, you're, buying, you're, you're buying in support, you're supporting the organization because you like them, whatever they're doing, you might get something in return. Maybe it's a commemorative NFT, maybe it's an event, maybe it's just a, 
you know, a nice email back. I don't know. The, <laughs> I don't know what people well, are doing. Most people buying it though, to be clear, what you're really trying to do is you're trying to drum up interest. And this is just because the, the area where you see the most demand, it's all around speculative uh, components of it. Now you lose money 70% of the time if you end up buying into most of these NFTs, like just straight up. That's my own experience with them as well. I've had a lot of ones that have worked out really well though. So, uh, and I sold off a bunch of them. And so it was great. But in general, a lot of them, uh, what you're trying to essentially do is uh, develop a world in which um, people want to speculate on it or truly believe. Um, in the case of ours, ours is priced right now at something like in USD uh, value and, uh, for US dollars is like $400 or something like that. Right. And if you if you went and bought um, a subscription to the information, I think it's like $250 a year or something like that. Um, so I think it's like priced fairly based on expected deliverables and the fact that we haven't actually shown anything yet. Um, and so I think that that's, uh, it, that's great. There's others that are just heavily inflated. And that's where in this space, you can actually make a lot of money if, uh, if you're able to untap the speculative market in a major way. So it's a hype game. Like if you can hype it up as much as possible and get people to pay as much as possible, it's all upside. Just like, yeah, because we're making money. Our business does generate income uh, upwards of we've made as high as $40,000 in a week just on secondary sales. Um, and that's just revenue direct to us. Well, explain that secondary sales. So if someone b buys your NFT once, sells it, and then sells it again, you get a cut of that? Every single time we get 5% of the sale. Wow. Okay. So it's a gift that keeps on giving too. Yeah, it's been pretty solid. And so if we're able to, you know, create more demand for our brand, which I think is phenomenal for a media business and something that I think is going to work out really well. And we're going to prove that hey, NFTs are a phenomenal monetization mechanism for media companies that previously did not exist. Um, I think that, uh, yeah, it, it, it can actually transform and potentially uh, uh, not just, well, we use it as a supplement um, or, or use it in addition to, um, it's supplemental income. So we, we have both advertising revenue and we also have uh, revenue from the NFT, but we're able to create demand um, just based on people being fans of our show. And so that's where it's like, hey, if if you need to sell it, you sell it, but we make money no matter whether you buy or you sell. Right. So you're so just to kind of rewind here for folks that maybe hadn't caught on to this yet, you have a media company. You literally have a an NFT you're currently selling to support your organization. Mm -hmm. And it's selling for four hundred dollars right now, ish US. Something like that. Something yeah. like that might fluctuate with the market. And you have sold a bunch and anytime anyone sells again, you make a cut and you're continuing to make money to continue to fund what you're doing. Now, what do they get for that um, buying that? Is it just access, more access to your, yeah. your, your show? Is it like, what is it? Right now it's primarily a private discord. Mm -hmm. um, that's the main thing. There's going to be private events. So we have an event coming up, uh, two events coming up at NFT NYC. We just did one. We went to a uh, top golf in uh, uh, in Minneapolis at VCon. Mm -hmm. um, we had we had like forty people there, which was really awesome. But like, is that worth four hundred dollars? Well, maybe um, if you go to enough of them and right. it's experiences that you like, 
Uh, and I think what we're going to be developing a number of other things. We have an actual like product coming out. There will probably be a mobile app. There's going to be some other things, but I don't actually even tell the community that anymore. Right. Um, because I want people to just buy it based on what we have right now. And then I, those can be uh, extra bonuses. Um, but really, there, are there laws around that too? Do you have to be careful? Like what you're, because yeah. it's a security, right? You can't say well, too much. It's and not, then not a security. Oh, it's not a security. <laughs> oh, okay. No, so, I'm saying ours, ours is not security. Okay. But uh, what we actually wrote down was you're buying the art. And I say this on a regular basis, mm-hmm. but you know, at some point there's going to be uh, some policy that hops in and says, well, this one was a security and that one isn't. Um, it sounds like what they're really looking at right now is those that offer tokens and those that also uh, offer like um, money back to the token holders. And there's other things that have uh, shown up like royalties back to the holders. There's varying forms of this where people are trying to experiment and push the securities limit. Um, We're not interested in doing that. For us, it really is Eventually, it'll be a point where it's you buy this token and here's the different things that you get. You have now bought a product. There you go. Thank you. Mm-hmm. Um, initially, we said here we you know we told our community that we're working on uh, developing tools that uh, that you'll get access to, um, but really we were saying like we we tried to be as minimal as possible. And when we articulated, it was like, hey, like. I can't promise you what's going to happen with this. And frankly, you should just view this as a piece of art. Um, but if you're a fan of ours and you believe in us, then we'd love your support. Um, okay. Yeah. So you're, are, you're you're doing this this kind of approach. I'm curious for listeners out there that might want to try this, um, you know, maybe try to fundraise via NFT. Like, what should they do? Like, what are the steps or what are the things they should be thinking about right off the bat? Well, the first thing I'd say is you probably shouldn't. Um, the, the only because of one thing, in the in the depending on the startup that you have, the name of the game typically is like get the funding process done as quickly as possible. Um, it, because I mean, you have to go build the business, and uh, and in the case of NFTs, it becomes an entire undertaking. So, like, imagine going and making a uh, well. In the case of the past, the best the best one I'd say to look at is check out Prement, check out their NFT because every single one looks the same. Our NFT looks the same as well. Every single one is the same identical one. That's the easiest. You get one piece of art and you issue X number of them, usually somewhere between like, it could be as small as, I mean, I've seen it in the hundreds, uh, hundreds up to, you know, 10,000. Um, you could, if you have a, if you have a pre-existing audience, that's where it works really well. When you don't have an existing audience of buyers, then it doesn't work well. And this is the case for everybody, artists, entrepreneurs, everybody runs into the same issue. They say, cool, I made this thing. We're just not in a world where like, if nobody knows about it, then it's, it's just not happening. And so you need to get the word out. And that's the same as before. And oftentimes there's, uh, two channels you got in, well, three, you have investors, um, you have influencers and then you have yourself. If, if you're an influencer that like, if you right. can build your influence and audience on social media, then that's that, you know, that's the ideal path. Right. So really it goes back to just community, right? If you have a community and mm-hmm. you've got a community of followers and fans and 
you can, you know, that you're doing around something, you could potentially leverage this method. If not, it doesn't sound like it's a good path because you're going to be starting from scratch, just like anything else. Yeah, I think you're spot on. Uh, and, and that's, uh, you know, it's a pain that I've seen a lot of people in this space deal with and they articulate it. You know, some, sometimes it's frustrating because uh, I'll give you an example. It's kind of crude, but basically recently over the past week, there's been like trending projects that are like poop and pee. Mm -hmm. And, and like people are like, like literally that's what they're selling. Like pictures lit literally uh, pictures of poop. And they sold like a, for as much as uh, th they hit a peak. I sold, I bought some and sold some actually crazy enough. And uh, they went as high as 1.8 ETH, which is wow. absolutely ludicrous, right? So people were paying, uh, let's say ETH is at $1,800 or something, $3,240 for a picture of poop. Oh my and, gosh. And so that's infuriating, right? Like if yeah. you're an entrepreneur who's working hard or you're an artist who's grinding their face off and and someone can launch this and they and they make all this money, you're like, what the hell? Mm -hmm. um, but what they were able to do was they were able to attract an audience and get people and build up hype essentially around that project that there was, or create mystery, create a narrative around it that, you know, marketing that was able to, yeah convince people, Hey, I should take a bet on this. And I think that that's, um, if you didn't sell the poop for 3,200 and you were holding it then, I mean, you know, good luck, but kind of, you kind of stuck holding the, yeah, I heard that one before, Nick. <laughs> but, but yeah, I mean, the bottom, the bottom line is uh, you, you still need to, that is a, a nut that you have to crack. And I think the same thing goes with even Kickstarter, right? Yeah. I mean, if you don't, yeah, I mean, really the, the take there is you kind of have to get that, the prime, prime, the pump to begin with, with, with Kickstarter. Right. Yep. So, and if you don't, you'll, you don't, um, if you don't hit your mark, you basically don't get any of it. Right. Certain, certain products are different. There's different, um, types of crowdfunding platforms have but, different, uh, regs, but like the, to, to, I mean, for a moment there, Kickstarter was like this like viral thing and people were all launching on it. I, I don't know, you know, the the volume that exists today versus right. then. Right. Um, I, I had a tracker that was tracking all of it back in the day. I do remember that. That's <laughs> funny. Yeah. But, uh, but good, good times. Um, that's yeah. Funny. So, uh, yeah. So I guess what I'm wondering is, you know, there's you know, the market's kind of volatile that you're in, but also just in general that you're hearing these doom and gloom stories about the economy. Obviously we're paying, some people are paying $8 a gallon for gasoline um, with inflation's crazy. Like, you know, is it, you know, there's people are saying that this is all going to collapse, right? I've heard that a couple different times. Mm -hmm. and, and then you see like the trends of like, oh, NFTs are down 25%. Is this, this must be the collapse. And I guess I you're in this every day. Mm -hmm. I, I want to get your take on what do you say to people that are saying, oh, gosh, it's going to collapse, you know, and, and as you're you're watching this all happen around you. Um, so the biggest thing is, yeah, it probably will. Um, if you're looking at the price of NFTs mm -hmm. and the overall volume, you know, if there's some financial crisis, uh, people buying, you know, $200,000 monkey pictures probably isn't like their first priority. And, and they, uh, many people reduce it. That said, there's only 10,000 of them. So who knows, you know, there's, uh, rich people tend to still fare well during, um, recessions, but anyways, uh, that said, 
Look, Andreessen Horowitz just raised a $4.5 billion crypto fund, and they're not the only one that has raised a bunch of money. And we're seeing a lot of capital flood into this space because we're also seeing a lot of talent flood into this space. And those two things go hand in hand. And we saw this before with social media. I don't know. You, I think you were at the uh, the conference I had in uh, New York, the social ad summit back yep. in and the first one I did. Yes. And uh, so that was that day that I hosted it. The, the was literally Bear Stearns went under. And I remember um, half the people didn't show up. And uh, the next year I did it again and the revenue was far less. But uh, the Facebook uh, space continued to expand and the social media space as a whole, um, which really just became Twitter and Facebook and a handful of others. Right. Um, it, those continued to expand in a, in a major way during that time. And I look back on that and I say, it, it will a why did that happen and the the simplest answer is there was a lot of funding that was going on during that time that was just sloshing around and i see this space uh that happening uh again as well there's also a lot of people that have just made money from the speculative aspect of this market um and have a lot of money to they're also investing in this space and i think it's even more so than it was at the time um, when Facebook happened, although Facebook kind of introduced that whole secondary market that um, emerged and has now kind of become a standard in the uh, startup space. But yeah, I, I think, um, you know, you were going to go through some tough times. And yeah, it's this the insanely high prices where things are $200,000 and things like that. A lot of that is going to implode. Um, and, and that's very likely. But on a macro level, there's a lot of money being invested in this space and a lot of talent that I see operating in this space. And I think as a whole, this is going to become a standard. Um, and it's kind of ironic because Facebook had uh, virtual gifts back in the day and they were like, oh, this isn't going anywhere and ended it. They were only, only I'm putting in quotes, only making a billion dollars a year. Um, <laughs> so <laughs> they shut that down. But I think we're seeing it right now. Last year, it was like for the NFT space, I think like 35 billion or 50 billion, something like that. It outstripped the or outpaced the art market as a whole. Um, wow, so, that's yeah. an interesting and an interesting uh, tie. Like if you think about, like I never thought about it as virtual gifts and and what that mm -hmm. started as. And now you're trying to you're kind of seeing it as maybe that same market continuing to evolve and grow. Very very yep. interesting. All right, Nick, we're almost at time here. I want to ask you. A couple more questions first one is if you, in, we can do this rapid fire style here do you have any advice for like young entrepreneurs out there that want to get you know more involved in the nft space or, or crypto in general hmm so if you have an idea i mean look uh, it depends on if they're first time entrepreneurs second time entrepreneur probably first time yeah if they're if they're a first time entrepreneur the number one thing and i wish i had done this i just worked at a startup in new york city and like i said you heard my age earlier i'm 40 and I, um, this was like my first time working at a high growth startup. I think working at one is probably one of the best things you possibly can do um, because it gives you insight that uh, you can't get basic anywhere else. Uh, you, you may like read an article in TechCrunch or, uh, or any, any, frankly, on any site or in a magazine, but it doesn't actually sufficiently 
demonstrate sort of what's going on inside. And going through that once, I say, go and do it. Get a job in this space would honestly be my most thing, even though you're an entrepreneur. But because you're an entrepreneur, you're not going to last long there. So, But you may be able to last like a year or two. And in that process, you're going to figure out like, hey, here's this thing. Um, if you have this now, if you already have an idea, that, like a burning idea that you need to go and build, um, I still think you have to go through the process of networking and building relationships with people in the space. That's the most important thing. And I see it over and over and over. That's the hardest area for a lot of startups is to is getting traction and marketing themselves. And you can't just go and like, it's hard when you're just like pitching, pitching, pitching all the time. It feels like you don't get anywhere. You have to come up with something that's like clever and uh, creative. And that's not an easy thing to do. So if that's not your strength, find someone that's really good at that aspect and get them on your team. Um, because that's going to be key to operate in this space. Um, and frankly, in any space. And I'll... Uh, 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 Otherwise, if you have some genius product, well, congratulations. Why what, stop listening? Go build it. <laughs> but um, yeah, otherwise, I think that's like the key thing is you either need to partner with somebody who's good at marketing. If you're great at marketing yourself, then uh, you're going to be able to just get traction. I think this space in particular is one that pays because we're so early. There is a lot more hype than there is practicality to it. And because of that, people that are able to develop and tell stories and narratives um, are able to get a lot more money. Yeah, definitely. Lots of great advice. I love that uh, about getting a little bit of experience under your belt and then doing your thing or if you have something, go for it. Um, thank you so much, Nick. Really appreciate it. It's been great catching up. I'm sure we could talk another several hours here. Yeah, <laughs> man. Maybe we'll have you back again. We'll talk about uh, Web3 and how that fits into all this. But until then, I appreciate you being here. And, and where can people find you if they wanted to connect? Uh, Twitter, you can go to at all Nick, A-L-L-N-I-C-K. That's probably the easiest. Great. Thanks so much. Nick O'Neill here from the Nifty. <laughs> all right. Thanks so much, Nick. Always great to catch up with you. It's been too long. A lot to wrap our heads around there and uh, appreciate you sharing your knowledge. You've been in the space for a little while here now and are in it every single day and uh, appreciate you breaking it down. All right. If you enjoyed the conversation, please do share it. Hopefully uh, somebody else could benefit from this conversation and sharing is caring. And uh, thanks again for listening today. I appreciate you being here. really do. If you're starting a company and you're thinking about it or have an idea, want to get it started, today is the best day to start up. And in doing so, I encourage you to get going. Join our community immediately for access to expert advice, resources, and support that you might need to elevate your startup. Simply go to startupofyear.com, learn more there, or you can go to soty.link forward slash apply. That's the quick link. And uh, it should take you right to the application. You can join for free today. Until next time, I'm Frank Gruber. Don't forget to hug your loved ones out there. And good luck out there starting up. Have a great day. Thanks for listening to the Startup of the Year podcast. Be sure to subscribe and we'll be back with another episode soon.